Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I want to give you one little tidbit that might help you with your argument for extended school year services. Today, we're going to be talking about critical life skills and how those critical life skills weigh in to your ESY discussion. Now, the reason I want to talk about this critical life skills thing is because it is one way to kind of up the ante on an ESY argument. You know, you've probably heard the podcast episode where I talk about principle-based arguments. And ESY is the example that I give in that episode when I talk about how sometimes ESY is not necessarily what you think it's going to be. ESY services oftentimes are, quite frankly, subpar. And yet people advocate and advocate and try and try and work so hard to get their ESY services. And when they finally do, they find themselves kind of bummed out because the services that they get just are subpar. And I see that happen so, so often. And so I, you know, I, I hesitate to um, really spend a whole lot of time on ESY um, f- simply because of that fact. But at the same time, ESY services, if they're done right, can certainly make a ginormous impact in a child's learning. So today we're going to talk about critical life skills. What's that mean? Well, Here's the deal is so many school districts will rely on only one criterion to determine whether a child is um, will qualify for extended school year services. They'll say that the child does not regress significantly enough during breaks from school in order to qualify. And yes, regression is certainly one factor that the team should look at when the team determines whether or not a child is eligible for ESY. But there are other factors that the team should consider as well. So recoupment is one that you hear about a lot. Recoupment is um, the ability to um, re address or to to um, recoup skills, literally to gain the skill back that they've lost after a regression. So maybe after Christmas break, a child comes back and they've lost 20%. You know, they were at 80% accuracy on their sight words and now they're just down to 60%. Well, how long does it take them to get back up to that 80? And if that is not a reasonable amount of time, then we can say that they don't recoup skills quickly enough after a break and we can qualify them for ESY that way. Another thing that you can consider is um, whether or not the child has an emerging skill. So there is a good argument if there is a skill that is just on the cusp, like they're just about to master something, you know, reading is just about to click and that is so, so great. 
Well, then we get Christmas break or we get summer break and wah, wah, we aren't reading anymore. We've kind of lost that emerging skill. That's a really good argument for ESY. So this argument I want to talk about today is this critical life skills argument because it is super duper broad. So if a child is likely to regress in critical life skills and then thereby lose access to a free appropriate public education, the child should be entitled to ESY services. And that is so broad and it is so awesome. So critical life skills can be academic, they can be functional, they can um, relate to communication or mobility, they can relate to access in the community, they can relate to behavior. And so these critical life skills is this broad set of skills, right? It's this really broad kind of disability-centric defined phrase. And so we can think about anything as a critical life skill. So many students function so much better during the school year because they have the structure and the routine of school. And if you think about your child, and if you start taking data on your child's progress in special education goals at home, you will notice that their data is much more consistently better, I'm going to guess, towards the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Monday, we are kind of recouping some skills that we might have lost, and we're kind of like getting into the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, we're fired up, we're ready to go. Thursday, we're starting to get tired, and Friday, we got a case of the Fridays. And so we don't want to take data for for most students on Mondays and Fridays because we've got cases of Mondays and Fridays. Tuesday, Wednesday, things are ready to go and our data is going to be pretty consistent if we take data on those days. Thursdays, maybe so as well. And so if you start taking data on some of these critical life skills, if you really dive into behavior, for example, and you really start looking at behavior, the difference between a Friday and a Monday might be immense. The difference between the day before President's Day weekend and the Tuesday after President's Weekend might be immense. The day before Christmas break and the day after Christmas break might be immense. And so if you look at behavior vis-a-vis these extended breaks from school, you will probably notice something significant. And if you can document that, if you can show that, then you've got a good argument for extended school year services. And the argument would be that simply the structure of the school program, the, the, the structure that it provides, the fact that you have to wake up and you have to get there and there are the same expectations and there's the same social stress and there's the same routine and, and all of these things, that in and of itself could push you over the hump to get the ESY services that you desire. You can do the same thing with access to the community, the way that the the child is um, functioning in the community. 
So maybe the child is going on community-based outings at school. You know, maybe they are going um, for community-based instruction and they're um, utilizing um, some of the skills. You know, maybe they're tying a math goal into it and they're working on budgeting or getting change or um, ordering at a restaurant and it's some communication skill or something like that. And so if we look at data over those extended periods of time, So we look at the data the Friday before the President's Day weekend and then the Tuesday after that long weekend. And we look at the data right before the winter holiday break starts and and right after the winter holiday break. You probably are going to notice a difference in a child that needs that CBI, needs that community-based instruction in order to um, gain community-based skills, whether it's ordering at a restaurant or it's um, anticipating the right change or working on their budget, you're probably going to notice a difference. And so that information could be super helpful. But I want for you to also think about things that are outside the purview of the IEP itself. Because when we look at these critical life skills, we can actually look at things that are outside the purview of the IEP. And so, you know, there are things that frustrate us us as parents. Maybe it's organization. Maybe it's initiation. Maybe it's impulse control. All of those things are things that are necessary to function in our communities, in our lives. And so as you kind of, you know, approach the second day of winter break and all of a sudden the frustration hits because um, the organization is different or the initiation just isn't there or task completion just isn't there. When you see that kind of like, oh, here it comes back again, it's creeping back in. Start to take note of it. Keep a log, keep a video, keep a journal, keep real data. That information might push you over the hump in an extended school year service discussion in that advocacy. Check out your state's guidance document for extended school year. Some states have guidance documents for extended school year services, and that can be a super helpful resource. And see what your state's guidance document says about these critical life skills. That's probably the best place to start to see what kind of data, what kind of information you need, how you can rely on that in order to make these arguments at your IEP table. Again, don't forget if you need more information on how to advocate for extended school year services, hop back over to my conference from 2022, buy that VIP pass, and you can get a really detailed presentation on extended school year services over in the conference. I will see you next week, same time, same place.